Welcome to episode 370 of Combo's Court. Sam S. Fandiari of the Light Years Pod joins in to talk about Warriors, basketball, and more. A fantastic conversation with Sam. You can find Sam on Twitter at Sam S. Fandiari. That's S-A-M-E-S-F-A-N-D-I-A-R-I. You know you can find me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Sam Esfandiari of the Light Years Pod. Welcome back to Combo's Court. How are things, man? Man, they honestly could not be better in the Bay Area right now. How you doing? I'm doing well, but you were calling people liars on my Twitter yesterday. It was crazy. <laughs> I mean, I had this uh, I had this poll. Do you think the Warriors were legit title contenders before the season started? 64% said yes. Are, are 64% liars? I I don't think people had the Warriors being contenders at this level. I think everyone thought with them rolling in with largely last year's roster and a bunch of young players and kind of guys on veteran minimums around, you know, Clay Thompson, we hadn't seen post Achilles and kind of what we saw the previous season, which was like, they're, you know, kind of a middle of the road team. I, I don't think people had them as contenders coming into the season. Now, when they started playing well, you know, people's opinions might have changed a little bit, but I distinctly remember last summer there being a level of disappointment that they didn't, you know, trade the picks that ended up being like Kuminga and Moses Moody for kind of an established veteran to go for it. Yeah, um, I totally agree with all of that. I'm probably going to reiterate some of the stuff you already talked about. I remember being on Doug Gottlieb's pod and telling him I didn't think the Warriors were legit title contenders. And there was a lot of reasons why. And even looking back on it, I could add a few things. I mean, the Nets and the Lakers were in the mix back then. Right. That's one thing. Um, Clay's injuries coming off two of them. Dre isn't the same shooter he used to be. Um, even not, he was a great shooter, but he was okay from three at one point and provided some spacing. Mm-hmm. Steph got a little bit older. The Warriors were kind of they they're in title contention mode, but they're also looking to the future at the same time, which I thought was always tough. And yeah. just all those things combined, I think there was even more why I really didn't have them um, as legit title contenders, but. The Jordan, the Jordan Poole emergence kind of helped all of that with the Warriors as well. I mean, that's one big key to all of this. Yeah, I mean, Jordan, uh, Jordan Poole of the younger players, clearly the one who took the step this year. Um, you know, none of the other young guys are really in the playoff rotation. I know Moses Moody's been getting some minutes in Dallas, but he didn't play the previous two series. Kuminga got some run, but he's been in and out of it. Uh, the other thing I think that does deserve some credit is – kind of the the veterans they did sign uh Otto Porter Gary Payton the second maybe not like you know the the biggest like marquee signings but they were perfect fits for the system like Otto Porter has has been excellent for them um I know he's missing game for highly likely to miss game four with the foot thing but he's been you know 
he's been their second or third best big man in the rotation. He's kind of reinvented himself as, you know, kind of the quintessential stretch four who still rebounds and plays enough defense. GP two, obviously that, you know, the injury sucks for him, but he might be back for the finals. Uh, and he, he really is kind of their best uh, point of attack defender. So I do think some of those moves kind of gave them depth. They didn't have the year before that we didn't necessarily see coming. GP two is like the Warriors, Bruce Brown, in my opinion. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, it works on offense because they have so much shooting that he can be like a de facto, like center rolling to the rim, even though he's, you know, six, two, six, three, something like that. Uh, but his defense is just so good. And I mean, he was, he was going to be the guy who was going to guard Chris Paul or Devin Booker, if they were to play Phoenix, like he is their best point of attack defender. And he just, his, Whenever he's in there, good things happen. Most definitely. Um, I think I tweeted this at you before, but hmm. to me, what Draymond is doing with media is just fantastic. He's pushing the culture forward. I mean, we've seen guys like Danny Green and J.J. Redick pod while they're playing, but I don't think it was with this type of in-depth analysis in the midst of a title run. Like, what are your thoughts on what he's doing with media? Uh Overall, I love it. I mean, he's literally potting after every game. And he <laughs> does crazy. his, I mean, he, he does his media obligations. He's always been great about that. You know, like go talk on the podium, whatever, whatever they have to do with the reporters. But right after that, he's on YouTube and he's got it up within like, you know, I mean, you can set a timer within an hour of the game ending. He'll have some comments on it, you know, good or bad. Bad is honestly my favorite part because a lot of people love to talk when they have a great game, but they're not willing to get on the mic and kind of talk about what they did wrong and what they need to fix before the next game. Um, I think that's a really unique wrinkle. And there's like, there's like a level of self-awareness that like not a lot of people are really comfortable doing that. Do you feel that speaks to the strength of the Warriors locker room that they're not really worried about what Dre is saying on the outside? We know what we got here. I think so. I don't think this works if Draymond's, uh, you know, a free agent in year one with the team. That's the type of thing where it's like, man, he's been in this locker room over 10 years. We're right. We're not going to uh, overreact to him saying something. We know who he is. So I always appreciate you sharing my work on your Twitter page. You shared that clip I had about heliocentric offense. Um, I assume you have the same sentiments, right? You know, you were the first person who said that, who kind of pointed out the leagues moving away from heliocentric. Cause I feel like even as much as last year with like Trey Young and the Hawks and, um, you know, just everything, players like Westbrook, James Harden, and there's so many guys who kind of played that style of basketball the last decade. Uh, you you saw the league moving away from it maybe before I did. And you got me thinking about it. And I think everything you pointed out played through to be true this season. I mean, we look at the final four here, only one team plays that way. And they're about, you know, they could get swept. And also, I mean, as you pointed out in that clip, they have Luca. He's like someone who's maybe good enough to actually justify playing that style, but it's like everyone else. I mean, you could, you could run Steph out of high pick and roll every possession, but would the Warriors be as good as they are? Probably not. You know, you could also do that with Boston with Jason Tatum. Would they be as good? Probably not. And, th and that's kind of the point you were making. It's the more kind of like diverse team oriented attack. It just, it, it works better in kind of a increasingly competitive NBA landscape. Yeah. And to, this is speaks to Luca's greatness to even get him this far. 
they obviously need to add a piece, and that's not taking away from Spence and Jalen Brunson because I think they're fantastic. But what do you think that piece should look like? I don't think it should be Rudy because I think they could find something with maybe not that type of value on defense, but get some of it and not spend as much money. So what are you looking f- towards for them it, from their perspective in terms of like a number two guy for Luca? So I think the good thing is because Luca's so big and, you know, he's still your point guard no matter what. And then they do have versatile wings in Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie that they can, they don't necessarily need a guard or a big or a wing. They just need a better player. They need a talent infusion. So like whether it's, you know, whether it's Anthony Davis, like, I don't know, it doesn't seem like things are going well in LA. I have no reason to believe they're going to trade him, you know, but like, who knows what happens in the next year? Or it's like getting like a Bradley Beal, who's just a a better guard than uh, Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie. Like ultimately they need the number two guy to just be more talented than what they have. Cause I like, I like Dinwiddie and Brunson as players, but are they, are they good enough to be the second best guy on a title team? I have my questions there. Yeah. I think when they're at their best, they are, but it would just be the consistency. That's the biggest thing with them too. Can they do it at a high level for long periods of time? I mean, look, we see consistency issues with Tatum. So it's always an issue with almost any guy playing, you know, for a championship. Yeah. And it's, it's really hard to win a championship. Like you, yeah, I'm trying to think of the last team who won a championship that didn't have like two top 10 to 15 talents on their team. It just kind of is what it is. That's how it goes. Like we, we like, like even, you know, you can go back to the bulls. Like we all love to mythologize Michael Jordan and like, he's, He's that he's that good, but it's like Scott Scotty Pippen was like a top ten player in his era too. Like it only works when you have like a couple of players who are of a cur- of a of a certain caliber. I seen you've been firing up those loony photoshops, those loony memes. He strikes me as one of those players that maybe he's not the most talented, but he knows where to be and he finds a way to get those easy baskets. Do you see that as well? And what has been his impact on this series, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, Looney is also he's he's just the quintessential like team first dirty work guy, which is so easy to root for. Like when he was when he was initially drafted, you know, he had the two hip surgeries. He didn't really play for two years. Um, and we didn't really know, you know, if his body would hold up and he could play in the NBA. And just to see him kind of come across this level and have this kind of impact in the NBA finals or sorry, the conference finals has been just amazing. Right. Um, have you been paying attention to the draft? Who do you like in the top five? I have been paying attention. I mean, I like all the guys. I still think I like Chet the most. Um, there's not, I could go back and forth on him and Jabari, but I still think Chet probably has the most upside, even though you're probably gonna have to wait a couple of years to get there. What should be the Warriors' outlook? I mean, hey, they might win a chip this season, but what are they looking for in the offseason? Uh, resign their guys and continue development, honestly. Like, if it isn't broken, or if it isn't broken, don't fix it. Like, they do have questions with this being Andrew Wiggins' last year of his contract, last year of Jordan Poole's contract. So they should figure out if they can resign them, and hopefully they can. And if they can't, then they got to look at, like, all right, what are we going to do? Because – 
losing either one of those players would be a huge blow to the team. Uh, but they're still a year away from that. I think they can kind of stick with the plan, um, you know, continue developing Kuminga, get him more minutes next year, get Moses Moody into the rotation. And, you know, it, their plan is working, which is kind of the crazy part. It's very rare. We see the, we're going to compete and develop kids at the same time thing work, but like they're about to go to the finals. Hard to complain. Kuminga is top 1% of top 1% athletes. Like his athleticism is just crazy. I like, I always look at Jalen Brown. It's a guy who's kind of underrated as an athlete because He's athletic in every facet, not only jumping and Kaminga is that, and maybe even more. I mean, it's one of those things where when you see it, you see it. Like he gets off the floor more effortlessly and quicker than like basically anyone. Like yeah. even like Andrew Wiggins, even though like that dunk Andrew Wiggins had in the last game was phenomenal. But like you watch the two of them, I'm like, I'm not sure Kaminga isn't the best athlete on the team. And I'm not sure Wiggins has been on a lot of teams in his life where anyone was more athletic than him. And so that just speaks to like your point, top 1% yeah. of 1%. Yeah. Cause he got the same twitchiness as Wiggins, but he's probably stronger already. And he's years younger. That's, that's the wild part. The Warriors played him at the four or five, most of the year, partially because of injuries <laughs> and personnel, but he held his own. Like he, he didn't have an issue getting pushed around. Like his issues were largely just being 19 going against like 28 year olds, where, you know, they use kind of veteran craftiness on him. But, like, when he was guarding a LeBron James, it wasn't an issue of strength. And, you know, if you can kind of hold your own physically in that matchup, you can hold your own basically against anyone. So we talked about the young guys a little bit. Let's finish with the, uh, with the vets of the team. Clay Thompson, he doesn't seem to have the same athletic presence as he did in the past, but then he still gets his shot off easily, even though sometimes I think he takes bad shots. What yes. have you seen from him? And also he shows flashes at times of athleticism, but it doesn't seem to be consistent flash. Uh, it, should, it doesn't seem to be as consistent as he used to, and he doesn't have the strength and the same athletic presence as he used to, in my opinion. What percentage do you feel he's back? Because I know we talked about this before. I would say 80% of yeah. what he was prior. At, he's... Look, he's still 6'7". He still has a super quick release. So getting a shot off is not the issue. There is an element of sometimes I feel like he's trying to chase the player he used to be. And so he'll be over aggressive. Like his response to going 0 for 5 to start a game is, well, I better get another quick five shots up, you know, as opposed to letting the game come to him. In those games where he's kind of relaxed and let the game come to him. Those have been the ones where we've had the throwback clay performances, not the ones where he's been kind of, you know, hunting his own shot. Like he's Kobe. Um, It's noticeable most on defense. I do think he, he's still an intelligent defender. So he knows where to be, but like we all know it is when you're just like a half step slow laterally, sometimes you can get burned in ways you didn't get burned in the past. So uh, I think overall, I have no complaints, but like end of the day, two leg injuries in your thirties are going to do what they're going to do. What do you feel the difference is between unanimous MVP Steph and now without looking at the numbers? Thank you. Um, he has such a mastery of who he is as a player. Um, he is probably a step slower than he used to be, but like you could bait Steph into hunting his own shot or try like chasing the highlight play because he's capable of making it. And I felt like some of the teams who had success against him in, you know, 
15 and 16, kind of when the Warriors were coming up, they were really good at, you know, kind of frustrating him and getting him to try to hunt bad shots. If you watch him now, I mean, he will often go the first quarter without a shot. It's a lot of, I'm going to pick my spots. I feel very comfortable. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, he's not turning the ball over nearly as much as he used to. It's just kind of, he's very calm and he, he kind of senses when I need to take over versus kind of, you know, I can score 50 and I'm going to show you right now. The, the second thing I'd point out is he's just a lot stronger. He spent so much time working on his body. So I think that's another aspect of where the turnovers have been down in the past. He trapped him aggressively. You could force the ball out of his hands into, you know, whether it's into a bad pass or just strip him. You just don't see that happen as much now. Yeah. I was on a Twitter spaces. It was 99 or hundred people against me. I'm not even going to tell you which side I was on. I'll tell you after actually. Um, but I'd like to ask you this question. Cause I'd like to see where you land on it. Is Steph Curry a point guard? I think he's a point guard. Oh I man, think, you're you're against me too. <laughs> I think I I do get what you're saying. It's so here's the thing. I just feel like it's a waste of his skill set to ask him to kind of play a traditional point guard role. Like any way you slice it. But I mean, they did have him do it earlier in his career. Mark Jackson's yes. last year, he earlier, averaged yes. nine assists a game. I mean, they did win 50, 50 games, but it kind of also speaks to like the artificial ceiling you put on him. He wasn't an MVP playing that way. He was an all-star. He was a really good player playing that way. It's only when you unlock him in this kind of, I mean, I don't really know what you call him because like he floats between playing point guard and shooting guard at this point, right? Um, it's only that that really unlocks him. Let me hear your case. All right. I think a point guard is somebody who initiates and orchestrates offense, right? And somebody will say, me, but there's different types of point guards. Of course there are. To me, John Morant is a point guard and John Stockton is a point guard. Very different. I don't look at Steph Curry as the guy who initiates and orchestrates offense for the Warriors. I think Draymond does a lot of that. I can see I can see what you're, you're saying, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. The only thing I point out is the entire system is built around Steph. Like everything they do is built around the way the defense responds to Steph, both on and off the ball. And I do think he's gotten a lot better at kind of just balancing when to get his versus when to get other people involved. So yeah, he's never going to orchestrate a team in the way, like, like even, you know, going to Warriors history, Baron Davis, quintessential point guard, right? Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. he's never yeah. going to orchestrate the game like that because that's not his skill set per se. He can do it for stretches, but it's just, I mean, why would you not want him coming off a pin down or off of like no, a no, screen, right? No, so, I think, so. no, I, no, I think it's the best and most awesome way to use him. I just don't look at him like a PG. I don't know. Like that's like, you know, Darius Garland, PG, John Morant, PG. It doesn't mean those guys are better than Steph and they're not better than Steph. I just feel like Steph is not point guardish. Like John Wall, super point guard, you know, like point guard, point guard, point guard. I just don't look at Steph in that way i don't know and and you're right about mark jackson mark jackson used him more like a traditional pg back then yeah and they were good but they weren't great you know like that's the thing they so there is a level to getting him off ball that unlocks him which is just kind of part of the steph curry thing so we're always going to kind of debate this point because he's not like he is in some ways positionless he's just he's just a guard yeah oh what does this mean for his legacy if he wins a chip obviously it's already solidified do you feel like he's top 10 already? And if he wins it this year, obviously it's going to depend on the fashion in which he wins it. Like if he gets a finals MVP, that helps a lot, right? 
I mean, yeah, I think the biggest thing is for the people who think the Warriors wouldn't have been great without Kevin Durant. I don't think you can say that if they get number four without him. So I think that helps Steph's legacy more than anything. Obviously, if he gets a finals MVP, that's also getting that that one thing, that one monkey off his back. So top 10 all time. I mean, to me, he is. If you don't think he is, I'm not necessarily going to argue with you. He's one of the 15 most important players in NBA history. I think we can all argue on that. He's, well, so? he's, when it comes to most important, yeah, he's clearly top 10. Like yeah. most important, he might not be best because the way he changed the game, he's clearly top 10. Yeah, absolutely. But he's clearly top 15 best of all time. And to me, yeah. there's 15 players I'd put in my top 10. So it's about who are you putting in? <laughs> who are you keeping out? Sam, great stuff. Where can we find your podcast? If we want to hear more about Warriors basketball and uh, where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? Yeah, Light Years Pod on Apple, on Spotify. You can also follow me at Samus Vandiari and my son is telling me we're done. I appreciate you doing <laughs> a little bit, my man. Nah, the listeners have me, you, and your son on this podcast. It's great. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk soon. Thank you for tuning into Combo's Court Podcast. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Thanks to Sam for joining in. We appreciate you. And share this episode. Share it on social media, Facebook, Twitter. Share it on your IG stories and tag me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O. C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for episode 371. Combo out.